0: to uh, join me in 1 Timothy chapter 1, 1 Timothy chapter 1, just as uh, we're going there, uh, the reading will come up on the screen for the kids, we have got some kids packs at the back of the uh, music desk, you can go and grab one now if you want to, in fact, I'll just before I read, I'll get you to do that, parents that do have small children, there is no creche, we do have a parents cry room if it's needed, um, but the kids can quickly grab a, a kids pack as uh, we're going to come to 1 Timothy Chapter One Paul is writing to Timothy, and here's what he says. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Now to the King eternal Immortal, invisible, the only God. Be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray as uh, we come to the word. Father, thank you that you sent your Son. And I pray that again this Christmas, on this Christmas Eve, in this place, at this time, you will remind us of why Christ came. Would you remind us again of who we are outside of Christ, who we are as we come into Christ, and that we might know something of the glorious gospel of grace this Christmas. Please, would you help us to hear? Would you help us to believe? Would you help us to see? Pray that we may not be distracted as we give our hearts and our ears and our eyes to the attention and focus of your word that we might truly know who we are before you in Jesus name Amen have a have a look at my title for you as uh, hopefully it's going to come up on the screen who am I who am I and this is part one In the video clip that i showed you from les mis the story of jean valjean is one of tremendous struggle around the issue of identity and change he became a prisoner for stealing a piece of bread to feed his sister's children prisoner number 24601 he then experiences some incredible grace by a particular bishop And the rest of the story, the musical, depicts the struggle that Jean Valjean has as he struggles to be defined by grace rather than be defined by his prisoner clothes as he is hunted the rest of his life by the ruthless officer, Javert. I wonder this afternoon whether you've ever had something of what we might call an identity crisis i wonder if you've ever gone through a long period a prolonged period of time where you really question who am i or perhaps you think you know who you are but you want to change who you are or who you are is not who you think you are this question of who am i is one of the most important existential questions We can ever ask ourselves and how we grapple with this question of who am I? How we grapple with identity has significant ramifications and implications. In this uh, particular movie called Skin, it's the true story of a South African girl, Sandra Lang. She is uh, born to white parents in a racist South Africa under apartheid, but she was classified colored because she was born with a genetic case of atavism, which is a change in genetic skin color. This whole movie wrestles around the question of identity for Sandra, is she white or is she colored? And then depending of how she's viewed is dependent upon how people view her. She's viewed one way if she's seen as colored, she's viewed another if she's seen as white. I uh, was reading an article in a, uh, on the internet from Psychology Today, and this particular article was, was wrestling with the question of, who am I? And in this particular article, this is what it said, and hopefully they can make that a little bit bigger. Here's what they said. It said, our identity should be seen as an ongoing process. Rather than a a static snapshot, we should embrace a flowing sense of self, whereby we are perpetually reframing, reorganizing, rethinking, and reconsidering ourselves. How different would it be if rather than asking, who am I, we contemplated how we'd like to engage life? I don't know if you've ever met someone that would say to you, I need to go away and find myself. I wonder if you've ever said that to yourself. I've got to go and find myself. Came across another article by a lady by the name of Corin Miller. And she said there are 13 steps to finding yourself. 13. I'm not going to give you all 13, but let me give you the five. Let me give you her five best steps to finding yourself. One, get out and try new things. Two, start going places by yourself. Three, try to figure out what's important to you. Four, tell your inner critic to get lost. Five, identify what makes you different from anyone else. Well, I wanna give you the most profound identity statement ever written. And I hope that it's one that is yours this afternoon. And I hope that if it's not, it will be by the time that we're finished. And here it comes in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. Paul writing to Timothy says, Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst this passage is written by the Apostle Paul to his protege in the faith Timothy and and Paul is trying to remind Timothy of at least two things he's saying to Timothy I want to remind you who I was who I used to be before I knew Jesus. And I want to then remind you who I am now that I've met Jesus. And if we ask the question, why? Why does Paul need to remind Timothy of these things? We need to back up into the context into verse 11, where this is what Paul says. He says that conforms to the gospel concerning the glory of the blessed God, which he entrusted to me. In other words, what Paul is doing, he's saying to Timothy, here's who I was, and here's who I am, and I want to remind you of this, because I want to remind you that this is what the gospel does. The gospel changes people. It's only the gospel that changes people. It's the glorious gospel of the glorious God that changes people. That's what the gospel is about. That is what Christmas is about. Christmas is about Christ coming to change people. And I suggest to you this afternoon that if there was ever a time when we need to be reminded that the gospel changes the identity of people it is now, in all the tinsel, in all the turkey, in all the tucker, in all the nativity scenes that come our way, it's so easy to miss the truth That Christ Jesus came into the world to change people. So three very simple headings for you this afternoon. Here's the first one. Who was I? Who was I? Have a look at what Paul says about who he was in verse 13 of the passage. He says, even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man. Paul says he was a blasphemer. He says he was a persecutor. He says he was a violent man. And all three of those terms are wrapped up together. These days, blasphemy is considered when you use the name of Jesus or God in an OMG sort of statement. But when Paul says he's a blasphemer, what he means is this. He says, I used to not see Jesus for who he was. He says, instead of seeing Jesus as the incarnate Son of God who came in suffering death and resurrection to rescue sinners from their sin and hell, he says, I used to see Jesus as a fake Messiah. I used to see Jesus as a blasphemer. And because of that, he was a persecutor of those who said that Jesus was the true Messiah. And because they said that, he was a violent Persecutor of Christians. The Apostle Paul was a blaspheming, persecuting, violent man. Why? Because he was the most self-righteous Jew on the planet. Have a look at this. Listen to what Paul says about who he was. He says, in regard to the law, I was a Pharisee. As for zeal, I persecuted the church. As for righteousness based on the law, I was faultless. In other words, I was a self-righteous Jew. Paul was a man who tried so fervently and zealously to keep the laws of God as a way of earning his salvation and earning his acceptance with God. So when Jesus comes along and other disciples come along and say Paul you can not earn your way into heaven it enraged Paul who was then Saul it enraged this man So let me put it like this Paul who was then Saul he was a blasphemer of grace he was a persecutor of grace he was a violent man against grace because he was so hardwired to keep the laws of God the very best way that he could. Let me show it to you in, in, uh, in the book of Acts. The, uh, the, um, one of the early disciples, Stephen, who was killed by the Jews for being a Christian. Look at what it says as as Stephen was talking to the Jews and they were about to throw rocks at his head and they were going to kill him it says and Saul who was later Paul and Saul approved of their killing him Paul was right there when Stephen was being killed but I want you to I want you to hear what Stephen said which was what Saul would have heard just before Stephen was killed, Acts 7, 51. Listen to this. Again, just as the rocks are about to be thrown, Stephen says to the Jews, you stiff-necked people, your hearts and ears are still uncircumcised. You're just like your ancestors. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Was there ever a prophet your ancestors did not persecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one. And now you've betrayed and murdered him. You who received the law that was given through angels, but have not obeyed it. Now just look at verse 53 carefully. Here is one of the last things that Stephen says, which Saul, who was later Paul, he would have heard. He said, you who have received the law that was given through angels, have not obeyed the law. Saul would have been standing there and he would have been saying to himself this, I have exerted every ounce of effort to keep the laws of God. I have made every effort to do what God says. How dare you say, how dare you say that I have not kept the laws of God? And I hope the irony is not lost on us as it was lost on Paul at the time here (laughs) Here the Jews are stoning Stephen to death. They're murdering him. And all the time the law says what? Thou shalt not murder. See, here's the thing. You would think that people would love grace. But self-righteous people who think they can make it to heaven on their own hate grace. Grace. They hate people who preach grace. That's why the world at large hates Jesus. That's why the world at large hates Christians, because we tell people that they cannot make it to God on their own, and they need amazing grace. Let me open up Paul's problem just a little bit more for you. If you've got your Bible and you want to just go back into the context, have a look at verse 8. Paul says we know that the law is good if one uses it properly. When Paul was Saul, he didn't use the law properly. Saul would look at the laws of God and he'd use it as a marker to see how good he was. He'd use the laws of God, oh, look how righteous I am. When the laws of God are intended to show you how bad you are, how unrighteous you are, how you cannot keep them. Here is what Saul could not see. You remember Jesus summed up the laws of God in two ways, didn't he? He said you can sum it up like this. Here's the laws of God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength, right? And love your neighbor as yourself. Now ask yourself this question. Is it possible to do that? Is it possible to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength? Is it possible to love your neighbor as yourself? It is not possible. You cannot keep the law loves of the, 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 the love laws of God. We've never been able to do it. We cannot do it. It's just not possible. But when Saul did meet Jesus on the road to Damascus. He saw it. When Saul met Jesus, he saw finally that he was unable to keep the love laws of God. And that's why going back into our passage, he says, I am the worst of sinners. Paul viewed himself as the worst of sinners because he despised grace. He viewed himself as the worst of sinners because he would show contempt for those who said, you cannot earn your way into salvation. He was the worst of sinners because he was so self-righteous. I wonder if you understand this afternoon that the worst of sinners is not the most violent criminal. The worst of sinners is the sinner who believes that they can be saved or have a relationship with God on their own effort. The worst of sinners is the person who says, I don't need grace. The worst of sinners is the self-righteous sinner. If we're Christians here this afternoon, that was us. We were the worst of sinners because at some time, we didn't think we needed grace. There was a time when you didn't think you needed a Savior. There was a time when you thought, well, I know maybe I'm a sinner. Maybe you'd use that word. Maybe you wouldn't. I know that I'm not perfect, but you didn't see your sin as bad as what it was. And, and you were probably in some form, well, if there is a God, he's going to weigh up my good deeds and my bad deeds, and my good deeds are going to outweigh my bad deeds. If you were, if you were a Christian here today, at some point in the past, you were self-righteous sinner who was I? Paul says I was the worst of self-righteous sinners secondly who am I? who am I? Look at verse 15 again and I wonder if you can see the profound change. I wonder if you can see the significant change that has taken place. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. Well Paul is saying who am I now? i am the worst sinner saved in other words the glorious gospel of the glorious god in jesus christ has changed saul has changed saul to paul but much more profoundly the gospel has changed saul from the worst self-righteous sinner to the worst sinner saved what Paul is saying is that the Jesus he once persecuted, the cross he once despised, the resurrection he thought was a hoax, the punishment taken by Jesus for his sin that he once scoffed at, all those things now became his sweetest song. Paul became now a man who was singing amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a self righteous, wretch like me. In Matthew 1, 21, she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Listen to what... uh, Matthew wrote in Matthew 9, verse 10 while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? And on hearing this, Jesus said, It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Let me show you the life-changing truth that changed Paul. Therefore, and this is what he saw that no one will ever be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, you become conscious of your sin. Through the law, you get shown your sin. Through the law, you get to see how unrighteous and godly that you are. Paul finally got to see that Jesus came to live the perfect obedience to the law that he could never do. And he finally saw that Jesus came to die a death for the penalty of his sin. Paul finally saw that Jesus came into the world to save the worst of sinners like him. He finally saw amazing grace. He finally saw astounding grace. He suddenly saw that the glorious gospel of the glorious God saves the worst of self-righteous sinners like him. Paul finally saw that When it comes to salvation, there is no room for self righteousness. There's no room for self help. There's no room for self earning, self improvement. Let me give you a definition of grace. It's coming up on the screen. Here's grace. What is grace? Grace is God's loving forgiveness, exemption from judgment. And promise of temporal and eternal blessing given to guilty and condemned sinners freely, without any worthiness on their part, and based on nothing they have done or failed to do, but all because of what Jesus did. That's grace. Now I have a look at what Paul says in verse 16. He says, for that very reason, I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Here's what Paul is saying, and this is so sweet. Paul is saying, if Jesus can save me, the worst of sinners, he can save anyone. If Jesus can save the worst of self-righteous sinners like me, he can save anyone. If 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 grace can save the most blasphemous, persecuting, violent self-righteous Jew on the planet, then anyone is savable. Paul says if 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 the Lord was so patient, if the Lord was so, so long-suffering, if he was so gracious with me, then absolutely nobody is beyond his grace. Who was I? The worst of sinners. Who am I? Because of the gospel of Jesus. The worst sinner saved. So thirdly, who are you? Who are you? This afternoon, you're either the worst of sinners, or you're the worst sinner saved. Which one are you? And to those of us here this afternoon who can say that I am the worst sinner saved, have a look at verse 17. Because that's the song of our heart. Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. to you here this afternoon that are the worst sinners saved, I pray that there may be a thankful song of gratitude in your heart this Christmas. Perhaps as you start to think about this, perhaps you've grown a little cold in this area. Maybe you've got to reach back somehow and, and remember what you used to be. You need to re- think back and remember the, the, the self righteous sinner that you that, that you were, and, and think again afresh on the grace that has been given to you, that you this Christmas may have this thankful heart, that you may sing t- now to the God eternally, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. There might be some of you here this afternoon that have simply not embraced the Lord Jesus Christ. You're sitting here and you are the worst of sinners. But I want to say this to you. No matter what your sin is, no matter how wretched you may appear to yourself, I want you to know that you are savable by the grace of God. You could even sit here this afternoon and you could have been a false teacher. You could be part of a cult. You could be an atheist and agnostic. You you could have done so many bad things. You may have rejected the grace of Christ so many times. But the grace of Christ is offered to you again today. We all have people that are very close to us. And I'm sure that we've all got people that we long for them to know the grace of Jesus. There's someone very close to me, and I long for them to receive the grace of Christ. I pray for them regularly. I speak to them the gospel when the opportunity comes up. I'll send them a text if the opportunity is there. It was a couple of weeks ago that I was praying for this person and I felt just I needed to send them a text and I sent them a text and this is the reply that I got back. The person said, I've done too many bad things for God to like me. I've done too many bad things for God to like me. And my reply back on the text was God is full of grace and forgiveness. You just need to turn to Him. Because there is no sin no blasphemy, no crime, no violence, no wrongdoing, no atheism, no idolatry. There is no self-righteousness that is bigger than the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, who was born to bear our sin, who was born to be crushed for our iniquity, who was born to be pierced for our sin, who was born to be punished in our place, and then rise from the dead. Wonder if you'll just bow with me in a time of prayer. It was John Wesley who wrote some of these words as part of a part of a hymn. He wrote, "Plenteous grace with Thee is found, grace to cover all my sin." let the healing streams abound and make me and keep me pure within thank you father for your great grace in Christ we thank you for what you are able and willing to do in the life of a repentant sinner oh what transforming grace may there be no one in this place who does not know your grace and is not grateful for that grace fill our hearts with a doxology of praise now to the king eternal immortal invisible the god the only god be honor and glory forever and ever perhaps while your heads are bowed If you've never embraced the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you've not received His saving grace, you are in a dangerous, eternally dangerous state and foolishly rejecting the gift of life simply and only because you love your sin of self-righteousness. Say no to your pride. And yes to Jesus Christ. Hearing the truth, believe it and know that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, even the worst of sinners like you, and transform you into the worst sinner saved. Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God Be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen.